Amen. Come on, let's uh, bow our heads and pray for the word of God. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your wisdom, your grace, your mercy, and your kindness. God, I'm praying that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth. God, let it be all of you, less of me. Let the people be eternally touched and blessed. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name and let everybody say amen. With your Bibles in your hands, would you repeat after me? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, Warm me up with your word. Amen. Put your hands together this morning. All right. So today's uh, title actually goes in, in line with the praise songs that we had. Every one of the praise songs had a similar word in it, and it's the title, and it was done on purpose. But the title of today is just simply this, Better. Somebody say better. 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 So we want to talk to you about better. And uh, th- there's a reason why I want to go there. And last week when we were talking uh, about uh, things, I kept mentioning that we do sometimes need to do better. And before I preach, let me say this. That in our newsletter, uh, in our special announcements, I have a challenge in there because in some ways there are a lot of us that can just do better. We know we can do better. We, you, you, sometimes you get stuck in a rut where you just do the same thing and you know you need to do better, but you just can't seem to do it. So sometimes you need to be provoked to do better. Be challenged to do better. When I was growing up, my mom and dad had something that would help me do better, and it was called the belt. It was amazing how the belt would help me get to better when I didn't want to get better. My mom said it helped me catch the revelation. Well, we don't want God to have to bring out the spiritual belt before we get to doing better. So while I'm going to talk about better, that's not really where I'm going today, but I want to throw that out there, and I need to say it again. If you know you can do better, do better. If you know you need to do better, start gravitating to better. Don't allow life to provoke you to do better. Sister Ruth in her prayer was talking about the Buffalo Bills player and how when he passed out on the field and how the whole nation was praying. And it was a beautiful sight to see, but it's problematic that we have to have tragedy or near tragedy before we will pray. And so we, we can't judge what the world does, but when we look at our own eyes, do we pray when there's nothing wrong? Do we pray when there is nothing looming over us? And now 
It, we, we should know better by now with everybody dying every week. Somebody new is dying. Somebody close to you is dying. And so that that is provoking people to pray. But we should have been in the mindset to pray a long time ago. So many of us know we need to do better. We need to gravitate toward better. But that's not exactly where I'm going to rest at today. I'm going to hit it from a different angle. So let's get to moving. Somebody say move, Pastor. All right, so I, I want to put this up because we talked about it last week. New me in 2023. And I, I, I use that and spoke of it in the sense that um, some people think that you have to have a new you in order to receive blessings from God. And then we kind of showed you why that's not necessarily true. And so we talked about this. And so go ahead and put it up. We preached a message called Same Me. But what we showed you is that when you have the same God, God can take the same you and bring new to you. In other words, you don't have to chase the new. You can actually be the same as long as the same God is working on your behalf. And we believe that and we talked about that. And so now I want to put this up here. Better me in 2023. Somebody say this. Say better me in 2023. So it almost sounds like I'm being counterproductive from what I preached about. I said that you don't have to chase a new me. You can actually allow God to touch the same me. But now you're saying better me, pastor. So what are you saying? Are you saying the same me, new me, better me? You're confusing me in 2023. But if, but, but if, if you understand what I was laying out last week, you're, you're really going to catch this. What I, and and I'll, I'll preface it again. What I was trying to show us is that when you have been in the right vein, you don't have to do a whole lot of different things. All you got to do is stay consistent to what you've been doing. So when, when your GPS is charting you a certain course, many times what it'll say, it'll say stay straight for the next 37 miles. In other words, you don't need to do anything different. You're already on the right path. All you have to do is stay consistent. And so what I've been telling people, and so the reason why I've been throwing both of them in there, some of you, you don't need to do better. You have already been consistent. And so my charge to you is keep doing what you've been doing. Stay on that path and go ahead and press the gas a little harder. Go a little harder. Whenever the devil gets to challenging you, many times it's not a sign you're doing something wrong. It's a sign you're doing something right. So keep doing what you've been doing. But while I'm throwing that out there, I also have to reach and tell to some people, you need to do better. Because you're over there at McDonald's eating biscuits and you need to be moving down the road. One thing I don't like about driving with my kids and going on family trips, I want to get to the destination. I don't want to stop too many times. Well, I got to pee. You should have peed before we left the house. I'm trying to get where I want to go. I want to move. So God is saying to the people who've been on the right vein, come on, keep doing what you're doing. Those you've been on the sideline, you need to get back in the game. So I, so I, I, I'm not confusing. I'm saying the same thing to different groups of people. So there's another group of people that when I preach to you about being better, I'm going to show you it's going to be a different type of being better. Because in most cases, when people tell you to be better, they're telling you it's something you've got to do. 
to achieve better. I got to eat better. I got to exercise more so I can have a better physical stamina. I need better relationships, so I got to forgive. And so that puts a lot of onus on the person to become better. There's nothing wrong with that. But what if you've been doing all you know to do and you're still getting the wrong results? How, how do I how do I get any better? I'm doing everything I know to do. I don't forgive everybody I'm supposed to forgive, and I'm still struggling. So how do I navigate getting better when I'm doing all I know to do? And honestly, it's some of y'all, you're doing all you know to do. There's nothing else you can add. You're doing it all, and you still don't see the breakthrough you want to see. And I'm here to let you know this message is for you. Somebody say this message is for me. All right, so let's let's move on. Uh, I'm going to give us an, a definition of better. Of a more excellent or effective type or quality. Very simple understanding better. Let's give us some synonyms of better. Uh, superior, finer, of higher quality, greater, more suitable, more desirable, more acceptable, a cut above in a different class. Now, having said that, now we're going to depart from that for a minute and we're going to get into a story. But as we get into the story, I'm going to show you exactly what I mean about this better. So let's go to 1 Samuel 30 and 1. Would you uh, read this? Mother Mitchell. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. Got to give us a little background. This is a familiar story if you know anything about the Bible, but I'll give you a little background. David has already been told he's supposed to be king. He's been anointed king, but then the king that he was serving saw had turned on him, and now David is running for his life. And David had run, and David had run, and he's end up actually in the enemy territory, and he's actually joined with them because his own people had abandoned him. And so he was with the Philistines, and he was working with them because he was just trying to preserve his life. And the Philistines went out to go out to battle, and he went with them, and then somebody said, wait a second, aren't you the David that killed Goliath? Aren't you the David that used to whoop us Philistines? And he was like, yeah, that's me, but my master done turned on me, and I'm now with y'all. I don't have nowhere else to go. And they was like, we don't trust you, David. You can't fight with us. And this king that David was serving was like, no, he's, he can, he's trustworthy. You can trust him. They was like, we don't trust David. So they told David, you got to get up out of here. So he's already turned on by his own people, his own family. He's gone. He ended up with the enemy. The enemy don't want him. So David is just in a place of being lost. David does not have better at all. And he's anointed king. He's promised that he's supposed to be king. And everything is going wrong in his life. And so now he's got a three-day journey to walk away from being rejected. Don't nobody want him. Now, let's uh, let's look at verse 2, and then I'll put the two together and explain it. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else 
but without killing anyone. So this is what happened when he got back to the place where he was camped at. Not only had he been rejected by his family, rejected by this new group, when he got back to where he was staying at, found out that some raiders had come and had burned everything to the ground, and they took the women and the children too. Now, David's, David's life is going from bad to worse. Forget better. David is at the bottom of the barrel. He's already rejected by family. He tries to hook up with this other group. They kick him out and say, go home. And so now he's got, it takes him three days to get home. So now he's got to deal with the rejection for three whole days to get home. And when he gets home, there's no home for him to go to. Burned to the ground. And the women and the children are gone. Now let's look at verse 4. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. They wept until they could weep no more. They, and it says it twice, they wept until there was no more weeping. And this is all men, warrior men, valiant men. But once they come to this situation, they said they cried until they couldn't cry no more. Because it's like, Everything's gone. And just put it, just, just think about it. Something like that happened to you, and then everything's burned to the ground, and you don't know where your wife or your kids are. And they cried till there was nothing left in them because life was crushing them. They was anointed, destined, but still dealing with a bunch of mess. Let's look at verse 5. David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. Man, both of his wives were gone. Now, I only get one wife. Back then, David could get more than one, and they took both of them. They could have at least left them one wife, but took both of his women gone. They were captured. So this just shows you the type of stress they were under. Let's look at verse 6. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter and losing their sons, about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Now, this is familiar because the scripture in King James says David encouraged himself in the Lord. And we like to shout about that. But let's think about what happened. Not only was he rejected and all those stuff I talked about and the things are burned to the ground. But now the men that uncried with him, they decided, listen, we don't have nobody to blame but you. The problem with leadership is there's nobody to blame sometimes but the leader. And so they said, we're going to kill you, David. And it's not that they were bad men, but they were so broken that when you're broken, you got to find somebody to blame. And David was the one to blame, and they're like, we're just going to kill him. So we're talking about unimaginable grief, stress, and pain that these people are going through. And in the midst of all that, the scripture says, David found strength in the Lord. How is it possible when you have all of this challenge that you find strength 
in the Lord. The beauty of it is that he didn't say he found strength in himself. He found strength in the Lord. Because in the Lord was where the strength was. So he, he learned how to reach where the strength was and grab it. I can't cry no more. I can't grieve no more. I, I, I'm stressed out. I'm hurt. I'm broken. I'm at the end of my rope, but I still know where my help comes. And I know how to grab the one who holds my future. And I know how to grab strength from him and make it a part of my strength. And I know how to pat my own self on the back when don't nobody else want to celebrate me. I know how to get up and get myself together when life is going crazy. I know how to find a way to give God praise and say some way, somehow I'm coming up out of this. God, if it's just me and you, that's all it's going to be, but I'm not going to die like this. I'm moving forward. He got his strength in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. They was trying, thinking about killing him, and he wasn't thinking about that. He said, he, in other words, what he's saying, when I can't turn to anything else, God, I'll turn to you. Now, God was the one who anointed him, and also God was the one who could have stopped all that. So what a lot of people do is they just go ahead and get mad at God. Because, shoot, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be in this situation. But David wasn't so stupid to blame God. What David understood that even though I don't know what you're doing, God, you're the only one who can get me out of this. So I'm turning to you, God. One scripture about Hezekiah says that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, which means he turned himself to God. He was told that he was about to die. The man of God said God told him that Hezekiah was about to die, and he turned and went back back to God and pleaded for his life. God, when I don't know what you're doing in my life and I can't see better, I can't sniff better, I can't smell better, it looks like my life is falling apart, I'm still turning to you. Because in you do I live. In you do I move. In you do I have my being. You are my only hope. Some of us, we say our hope is in God, but he's not our only hope. My hope is in the Powerball. My hope is in bingo. Nothing wrong with Powerball and bingo unless you put your hope in it. But once you get pushed in a corner and God is all you got, you'll find out God is all you need. David was at that point. But there's another word that I see in the scripture that the reason why they were trying to stone him is because they became bitter. So let's lead you to point number one. Point number one is this. When trying to get to better, the temptation to settle for bitter is always present. When you are in the crucible of life, you are in pain, you are in trouble, you are in turmoil, and you can't see better, sniff better, and you know you need to get to better, the temptation is just to settle for bitter. Just forget it. Forget it. I've been divorced so long. I've been lonely so long. I've been lied on so much. I've been hated on so much. I've been broke so long. I've been depressed so long. I've been sick so long. I've been buried so many loved ones that sometimes you just say, 
Forget it. Forget praising God. Forget this. This is my Bible. Y'all can keep all that. It's not going to be this is my Bible. This is my Hennessy because that's what I'm turning to. I'm tired. I'm sick of it all. I'm just going to be bitter. But guess what? Every one of us in this room, we could have settled for better. But we don't want to settle for bitter because bitter's not going to do us any good. I'm going to push for better when I could be bitter because I would rather die reaching for better than die living in bitter. I don't want to be bitter about what's happened in my life. I don't want to give up because if people gave in to bitterness, then you wouldn't have lights. Because it says it, it was several, several, several hundred tries that Thomas Edison messed up before he ever got the light bulb to work. So if you quit before it's time and you settle for bitter, you'll never get to better. The reason why you can go to the Indianapolis airport and get up in a plane and fly across seas is because the Wright brothers would not settle for bitter when they said we believe that a vehicle can get up in the sky and people laughed at them and we said we believe a vehicle can fly like a bird and folk laughed at them and they tried. I don't know how many times they failed but one time they got that thing to go up in the sky and in order to get Get to better, you got to push through bitter. Point number two. In order to get to better, you have to know how to encourage yourself by yourself. I'm grateful for my church. I'm grateful for my friends. I'm grateful for my spouse. But there's some stuff you got to face alone. You and God. There's some, some stuff that hits you that you can't even articulate. I would tell you what I'm going through, but I don't even have the words to tell you. So when you ask me how I'm doing, I say I'm fine, not because I'm fine, but I can't even begin to tell you how I feel on the inside. And the truth of the matter is you don't have time for me to tell you how I really feel. So I can't unload to you. I can't dump on you. I can't smoke myself into the stupor. I can't drink myself into a stupor. I can't sex my way out of this. I'm going to have to figure out how to way to encourage myself by myself. The problem with some of us is we don't love anybody, including ourselves. And so you don't even know how to pull yourself out of stuff because you've never even learned how to love yourself. But I love me too much to stay in bitter. I love me too much to commit suicide and kill my life. I love me too much to give up. I got too much greatness in me for me to roll over and play dead. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm getting up. I'm getting back in the game. I'm about to cry myself to sleep, but I'm getting up the next morning. I'm going to face what I got to face. I'm going to encourage myself. Can't quit. Why? Because there's too many people depending on me. Too many people depending on you. You can't quit. You don't have the luxury to quit. You got to learn how to encourage yourself. Whatever it takes. I don't know, I don't know what, it, what it takes, but sometimes you got to learn how to encourage yourself. One of the things you got to learn how to do is stop being so hard on you. Well, I ate two cookies and I was only supposed to eat one. 
It's okay. Maybe you needed that extra cookie. Oh my God, I overslept and I'm late for work. What you didn't know, but God knew and your body knew, you needed sleep. That job will be there tomorrow. You may have to clock in late, but right now I got to protect me. I'm the only me that I get. And if I break down, you don't know how many people will break down if I break down. So you got to learn how to encourage yourself. But the scripture says he encouraged himself in the Lord. So you always got to keep that at the forefront. All right, let's keep going. Let's go. First Samuel 30 and 8. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. You surely will recover all. This is powerful, but it also shows you how rough it was for David. Because David was a warrior by nature. David wasn't afraid of anything. But before he even tried to go and run, the first he said, God, should I even do it? Because if I'm going to lose again, I might as well just stay put. But God said, no, you're not going to lose this time. You're going to recover all. Yeah, 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 David, I want you to chase. And sometimes the chase is ripped from us because life is so hard. We don't even know, should, should, should I even try? Should I even put in another application? Should, should I look at another house? Should, should, should I try to work on my credit again? Every time I try to work on my credit, somebody messes it up. And, 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 and here's the thing. It always uh, thought in your mind, just quit. Just, just, just quit. But something in David said, God, should I try again? I, I, I want you to be like the little engine that could. I think I can think I can. I know I'm broken, but I think I can. I know I'm hurting, but I think I can. I know it, it's bad right now, but I think I can. And David was crazy enough to ask God, should I try again? Should I chase again? Should I launch out again? Should I believe again? Should I have faith again? And I hear God say, yes, because you will recover all. You will recover all. All right, let's look at verse 9. So David and his 600 men set out, and they came to the brook Basor. All right, verse 10. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued the pursuit with 400 men. This is something that we met, very rarely talk about when we preach this scripture. 600 men, and they went to go and recover, but 200 of them were too exhausted to go on the journey. So 400 went out. I want to bring this uh, definition up because I think this is going to help somebody. Bring this definition up. Exhausted means drained of one's physical, emotional, or mental resources. Very tired. It's a possibility you're saved sanctified, anointed, and exhausted. And you're on the path God wants you to be on. You ain't done nothing wrong, but you are exhausted. And I believe Deliverance Temple has reached a point of exhaustion. Yes, better is for us, 
But right now, we exhausted. Let's bring up point number three. This is the beauty of it. Sometimes I don't have the energy to get to better. So better has to get to me. I want to read that again. You don't have to put it up. I'll, I'll just read it again. I, I, I want this to sink in for some, some people. Sometimes I don't have, let me, let me say it this way. Sometimes you don't have the energy or you're too exhausted to get to better. So better has to get to you. I'm here to let you know that where you are is not a sign that you've done wrong. Your exhaustion is not a sign that you've done wrong. And your exhaustion is not a sign that you need to do better. But your exhaustion is a sign that you need to stand still and allow better to find you. If you can't find better, God is so big, he can make better find you. So now I want you to declare this with me as a statement of declaration. We're going to declare this together. Put this next slide up. Better is coming to me in 2023. I'm not talking about you getting better and doing better and reaching it. I'm talking about when you're too exhausted to do it yourself. You done tried everything you know to try and you can't do it. I'm here to let you know we're calling better to find us when we can't find better. We're going to say it one more time. Better is coming to me in 2023. Let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 10. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued the pursuit with 400 men. All right, verse 11. Along the way, they found an Egyptian man in a field and brought him to David. They gave him some bread to eat and water to drink. So the story gets interesting. Let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 13. To whom do you belong? You got to yeah, bring it back up for us. Thank you. And where do you come from? David asked him. I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. He replied, my master abandoned me three days ago because I was sick. The story shifts a little bit. They're, they're going to get everything back. And remember, it was a band of Amalekites that came against them. And then they run into this slave, this young slave and he's sitting there, and they treat him kindly. They feed him. And David starts asking questions like, where are you from? And he begins to tell them, he's like, basically, I'm a slave, but I was abandoned by some Amalekites. By, by, by who? By, wait a second, ain't that the same people I'm looking for? So, so, so David got into full Dateline investigative mode because he wanted to find out some more information. So let's... Let, let's read, but, but it shows you something about the Malachites, the way they were, because they said they abandoned this slave because he was sick. Num number one, he shouldn't have been a slave to begin with, but they took advantage of him, made him a slave, and then when he got sick, 
they abandon him. That's, that sounds just like what the devil will do to you. He'll make you sick and then abandon you. But that's just a side note. Let's look at verse 14. We were on our way back from raiding the Herodites in the Gab, the territory of Judah and the land of Caleb, and we had just burned Ziklag. Oh, you had just did what? Sing to me, little slave boy. Tell me more. Because he was explaining the very thing that David was after. He was saying, yeah, we was raiding stuff. In other words, my master was raiding stuff, taking stuff. And they came up with this place called Ziklag. They burned it all the way to the ground. And they, they took the, the women and the children and everything. The very place that was home for David was the place that he ran into this slave boy. And he's telling them everything that he needs to know. Let's look at verse 15. Will you lead me to this band of raiders, David asked. David was smooth. Yeah, will you lead me to these people? I, I, I got a bone to pick with them. And or read what the young man said. The young man replied, if you take an oath in God's name that you will not kill me or give me back to my master, then I will guide you to them. He may have been a slave, but he was no fool. He was like, yeah, I'll lead you straight to them, but promise me you won't put me back with them. Promise me that you'll take care of me. In other words, I'll snitch. I don't mind snitching, but it need to be something in it for me. And this is a side note because it's not talking about David. It's talking about the slave, but I need to throw this in as a side note. This point is very important. Put Point number four. Sometimes to get the better you have to negotiate it. Sometimes you got to learn how to negotiate. People will tell you this. You got to know your own worth. And yes, I need better to come to me, but in the process, I don't mind doing some negotiation. I don't mind going to the highest bidder. Sometimes when you've been done so wrong for so long, you don't just take the first thing to come along. No, I need to see some stuff. I need some stuff in writing. We need to negotiate this. Well, I'm, I'm going to pay you this much. Well, I don't know if I want that much. I, I might want more. I've been, I've been down too long to take the first Tom, Dick, and Harry to come along. No. Date me and tell me, tell me what you can do for me. Listen, cause I've been, I've been in it too long and better is coming my way and I don't mind negotiating my way into some blessings. I don't mind, I don't mind looking some stuff, researching some stuff, negotiating some stuff because I know I need better. I can't achieve better. So if you're the one that can get me to better, we can do some negotiation. Sometimes you need to understand some stuff is up for negotiation. Let's continue to read. That's just a side note. I didn't know who that was for, but I need to bring that in there. Let's go to verse 16. So he led David to them, and they found the Amalekites spread out across the field, eating and drinking and dancing with joy because of the vast amount of plunder they had taken from the Philistines and the land of Judah. So they was just living it up. They was drinking, getting drunk. They was partying because they, they they didn't just rob uh, David's place. They had been robbing that whole area. So they they was enjoying themselves. But God brought David and his men right to them and brought them to the place where they were not in the method to fight back. They was getting drunk. 
So God put David right where he needed to be to recover everything he needed to recover. And I'm here to let you know, your enemies are getting drunk off of your failures right now. But when God brings you right in their face, and I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about demons, he's going to bring you right there to recover everything that they took from you. So just hold on, don't give up, better is coming. Amen. All right, let's, let's look at verse 17. David and his men rushed in among them and slaughtered them throughout the night and the entire next day until evening. None of the Amalekites escaped except 400 young men who fled on camels. God was merciful to 400 young men, but David and his men killed them all night long. Your next season, the only thing you're going to be doing is killing devils all night long. Verse 19. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. It's interesting. They grabbed the stuff, but they didn't they didn't kill a wife. They didn't kill a child. They just captured him and went over there and got drunk. But David got everything. Nothing was missing. And one, one of the Hebrew definitions of shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken, which is peace. God's going to bring peace back into your life. Everything you lost, you're going to get it back, and it's not going to be messed up, jacked up. You're going to get it back the way God wants you to get it back. Verse 21. Now, this is where I really want to sink in as, as we uh, try to wrap this thing up. Then David returned to the brook Basor and met up with the 200 men who had been left behind because they were too exhausted to go with him. They went out to meet David and his men, and David greeted them joyfully. We, we forgot about these 200 men that was just too exhausted. They couldn't do it. So 400 went, and they did all the fighting, and they're coming back. And these 200 are still there. David met with them joyfully. They was just exhausted. They, 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 didn't, they didn't go fight. They stayed where they were. So let's look at verse 22. But some evil troublemakers among David's men said, they didn't go with us, so they can't have any of the plunder we recovered. Give them their wives and children and tell them to be gone. Hmm. It's interesting. These 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 men said, "Forget them. They was too exhausted. Let let them let them not get nothing with their tired, sleepy self. Let them not get any. Get them they they raggedy kids and they raggedy wives and let them go. They can't get none of the blessings that we got because we done the work. And I understand that, but they were exhausted." Even if you took them with you, they wouldn't have done you any good because they were emotionally, physically, mentally spent. They couldn't, they couldn't offer you anything. And the Bible said these evil men said, forget them. Let's bring up point number five. Evil people don't understand human limitations. It's evil to make me suffer for being human. And this is what I'm trying to tell you, Deliverance Temple. You are not the 400 men that went and recovered all. You are the 200 that was exhausted 
online. You're the 200 that's exhausted. You didn't have enough energy to go and fight. Now, I know that don't make you shout and make you feel all faith-filled, but let's just be honest. We've been through hell. Muncie, Indiana, and many other places, but we've been through hell. People dying left and right, all things going on, money funny. We've been through hell, and we are tired. But what God is saying, I don't charge you because you're human. I don't charge you because you're depressed. Some of y'all, you, you battled depression and you got the upper hand over depression. You've been doing good and then just one month out of the blue, something hits you and you can't shake it. You still save even though you're depressed. Don't let somebody tell you, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Well, I'm not. I'm blessed and sometimes I'm stressed because I'm human. Because the call of God on my life and the call of God on your life, sometimes it brings you to exhaustion. And we've been taught that we've got to battle through and push through all the times. No, sometimes all you need to do is stay back and rest. I can't go with you. I, I can't do you no good. Who come go to the revival with me. I don't want to go. Well, you're not spiritual. It's not that I'm not spiritual. All y'all folk dancing and shouting, y'all about to get on my nerves. I am too exhausted to shout, dance, run, spit, holler. I don't want oil on my head. I'm wore out. I'm drained. I'm emotionally spit. And I just need time with God. And I'm still saved. And I'm still blessed. And better is still going to find its way to me. So let's look at 1 Samuel 30, 23. But David said, no, my brothers, don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. He has kept us safe and helped us defeat the band of raiders that attacked us. Thank God for a good leader. David's like, no, we're not thinking about that because it was God that let us run into the slave boy that was left behind for them and he told us just where to go and when we got there, they was drunk and we was able to slaughter and get all the spoil. No, it, it's not us. It was God and so we're not going to hold it over the people who are exhausted. We're going to help and encourage the exhausted folk because we're all in this together. So if you get blessed before me, and then you laugh at me because I'm exhausted. You're not part of me. Amen. David said, no, no, brothers, we're not going to think like that. Because what you have to understand, the people who stayed back, they lost their women and children too. They were hurt too. David said, no, we all going to get blessed together. Because at the end of the day, it was the Lord that helped us recover all. So whether you go and get better, or whether you stay back and better comes to you. Either way, we're going to have better. Let's look at verse 24. Who will listen when you talk like this? We share and share alike. 
Those who go to battle and those who guard the equipment. Oh, they were exalted, but they weren't doing anything, nothing. They were still protecting. They were still guarding. This is what I need you to understand, uh, Deliverance Temple. Sometimes I'm out front and people are talking about my anointing and oh your pastor is so this and he's so good and uh, he's he's so kind or him and his wife all this and the other and don't think you don't have a part in that because when you stay back and pray for me you are helping me and so David said we share and share alike if I get blessed you gonna get blessed I don't care if you went with me or if you stayed back either way we're in this together we come to this place together and better belongs to all of us you are not less than because you hurt you're not less than because you're lonely You're not less than because you have struggles. You're not less than because you're still sick in your body. Somebody else gets a miracle in their their, uh, uh, healing and you don't have it yet. You are not less than. We're all in this together. And then verse 25, this is the last verse. From then on, David made this a decree and regulation for Israel. And it is still followed today. So from then on, he made a decree. If you are emotionally expent and exhausted and you can't go with everybody to go get the better, you still are going to receive the blessing. Now, we're not talking about lazy folk. The scripture said if you don't work, you ain't supposed to eat. I'm not talking about lazy people. I'm talking about people who've given everything they can and things still don't click. You've done everything you can, and all you can muster up is a bus pass. Well, if I get two cars, I can't drive two of them at the same time. One of them going to go to you. Well, why are you blessing somebody that, that they, they need to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps? But some people don't even have boots to pull up. So guess what? I'm going to share my boots with them. We're going to work together, and we're all going to get Better. I don't want to be in a ministry where only the pastor and his wife and his kids are the only people being blessed. The devil is a lie. I want all of us to share and share alike. So because of that, I am declaring better is coming. Here's the last point. Then we'll close. Point six. You may not have had the energy to fight. But you still get your share of the victory because better is coming. Better is coming your way. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. Even with the challenges that we face this morning, I thank you that better is coming. And God, we don't even have to try to reach better. Better is coming to us. Because we've done everything we know to do. But God, you're going to make up the difference. And while the devil is getting drunk off of our mishaps, our pain, you are helping us recover all. And God, whether we go get it or whether we stay back, we all going to get the blessing that God has called for us to have. And the only person that's going to be laughing is you laughing at the devil. Because with you, we win in the end. In Jesus' name. And let everybody say.
Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. 